Welcome back, folks. This is Shane. Welcome to the In The Blues Tone podcast. It's currently Sunday, the 19th of July, 2020. Now, usually what I like to do on these podcasts is show you some of the live clips, you know, testing out gear in context of an actual band situation. But given that we're in lockdown number two here, I still haven't been able to play live now for what seems like months because it has been months and I really miss it. It really puts into context the balance between making videos about guitar related stuff and actually playing live. I much prefer playing live at something or I much prefer having that in my life just as opposed to making videos because making videos about guitar stuff and not being able to take them out and use them kind of sucks. <laughs> now, not everyone plays live, but I've been playing live since before I started doing YouTube, man, and it's a huge part of my life. And I realize now just how much I miss it, not only to catch up with my friends that I play with, but also just to actually go get out and play with other people. It's so much more fun than playing at home. So once this lockdown is over for everybody in the world, I know some people are in their third or fourth lockdown, I'm gonna challenge everybody who either makes videos or plays guitar to go out and actually play live. Do it, it's so much more fun and it keeps, I think, the focus on music, which is kind of like being the eye-opening thing from this whole lockdown for me personally is like, I wanna make more music. I just don't wanna make guitar videos all the time. Sure, I get to play my little one, two minute thing at the start of the videos, but I wanna actually get out there and play more live. And then as soon as we can, I'll be bringing that back to the channel big time. So yeah, I always feel like the what separated this channel from a lot of others, apart from a number of other reasons, is the fact that hopefully hearing these things in the context of a live mix as opposed to just in your room, We'll give you know live gigging musicians a chance to hear how they how things will actually respond you know and that's just one of those things you either play live you, or you don't or you might aspire to so as soon as this lockdown is over go out and play live because you'll get so much more out of it than just playing at home anyway that's my two cents so this particular podcast isn't sponsored by anybody yet again i've had two sponsors in the entirety of it but if you want to see what i do outside of youtube and say you're into guitar speakers for example I'll leave a link in the description. It's guitarspeakerguide.com. It's a relatively new website I've set up. So you're not even sure exactly what speaker is in your amplifier and what ohms and rating it is, you can go to the Guitar Speaker Guide section and find out all that information. Now, this was a huge time-consuming task for me to do this, and I absolutely loved uh, basically putting these websites together. It's a speaker niche site, basically, where you can go through and find out all the information uh, that you could need if you were thinking about changing your speakers. So I put a lot of work into this. It was several weeks of non-stop writing and work, and it's really starting to take off. It's taken about eight months, which is about the, the sweet spot, and now it's really starting to get traction because it it's full of useful information, as well as just replacement speaker stuff. So if you're into guitar speakers or you're thinking about swapping them and you've got some questions, odds are I've heard them a million times, and that's what this site is about. So best speaker for this amp, that amp, and all that kind of stuff. So thanks for the support. All right, let's kick things off. So I wanted to start with an article I found on guitarworld.com that says Prince's one-of-a-kind Goldleaf Fender Custom Shop Strat is going up for auction. This is the Goldfinger Strat, which was used basically on a tour and a fundraiser. It was a custom one-off design that was to never be duplicated. So yeah, this is only estimated to sell for between two and 300,000, which is a lot of money still. But considering his last guitar that went up for auction sold at 563,500, 
I have a feeling that this particular instrument will sell for probably more than that. Look, I could be completely wrong, but I've seen the prices on these sort of artists, you know, deceased artists, that's hard to say, uh, electric guitars and acoustics sell for way more over recent times than they ever have. So odds are someone will pay top dollar for this because Prince played it. I mean, the guy's an iconic musician in the pop scene, but he's a phenomenal guitarist. If you haven't seen Prince shred on an electric guitar, not shred like tapping and stuff, but he's a great guitar player. He's one of the best. So yeah, highly maybe underrated guitar player if you if you don't know much about you know what, how musical the guy is. So yeah, it looks like a really beautiful guitar. And being that this was a one-off custom shop, you know, I it would probably cost. 8,000 if you were to buy it from a shop, probably something like that if this was an actual design. 8,000 Australian dollars, probably like 5,000 in the US. But yeah, this guitar um, was to never be duplicated. So obviously they signed a, some sort of deal that Prince would have just the only one like it. Funnily enough, and I gotta, I gotta point this out, and if I get a photo of it, I'll put it on screen. A friend of mine, Wayne, if you're watching this, hope you're doing well, man. He actually built one that looks so similar to this, and I, I'm pretty sure he didn't know about this guitar either. He, he basically gold-plated a guitar from Warmoth and built it all together, and you know he does that kind of stuff. And it looks so very similar to this that if I can find a photo, if I can email him, I'll put it on screen and uh, and show you what that looks like as well. But overall, I think these uh, this gold strat will definitely sell for a lot, and I love the gold finger flight case that it comes with as well. So yeah, we're gonna see whether or not this will sell for more than the two to 300,000 estimate. Let me know what you think it will sell for in the comments below. But yeah, these artists' guitars, especially someone of Prince's caliber, and you know, he's a household name, basically. It might not be as iconic as say, something like Albert King's Flying V or some of Jimi Hendrix's uh, Stratocasters or Stevie Ray Vaughan or anything like that, but it definitely looks cool and being that you know he's such a household name I, I have a feeling this is going to sell for a lot more than people think just based on that alone so let me know what you think and yeah very interesting times for these sort of guitars i i have a feeling that people have more money than sense sometimes too so it will just keep bumping up <laughs> anyway let me know your thoughts this might shock a few people but this gibson story isn't about them suing somebody or being countersued and it's definitely not about them uh, posting something on the YouTube channel, uh, you know, the whole authentic debacle. It's actually them looking for help with something. And this is pretty cool, so I thought I'd throw it in. It's just a little bit of different information. It says Gibson is offering a $59,000 reward for the return of the lost 1959 to 1960 shipping ledgers. Now, what this means is, as you can see from the book down here, they had handwritten serial numbers of guitars from that period that are some of the most expensive ones in history. So. This is going to be hopefully something they can recover. They mentioned that uh, the shipping ledgers disappeared from the company's archives roughly 30 years ago, around the same time that the brand moved from Kalamazoo, Michigan to Nashville. So massive company moves, stuff gets lost. So maybe some people got retrenched. Maybe they picked it up and took it with them. Who knows? But they're doing a no questions asked return. So there's a couple of things that they're going to be able to sort of validate this. Down the bottom of this post, it mentions that to send validation requests, you got to email a specific uh, email address, ledger at gibson.com, written description, photographs, contact email number. And they said the uh, validation email request will be reviewed within 15 business days uh, by the historical committee at Gibson. 
And then, uh, yeah, there's no questions asked, so uh, <laughs> it should be interesting to see if it turns up or not. I guess we'll find out. Look, you'd have to assume that when a massive company moves, there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown out. People might not have even known it was important at the time. You know, a book like this will make that whole process a whole lot easier for just for validating instruments and making sure they are real especially when you're talking about vintage instruments that cost an arm and a leg. So hopefully they find this. It would kind of suck if they can't, but yeah, there's no questions asked. Uh, $59,000 reward will hopefully make it appear. So yeah, if you've got it at your place, it's time to cash in. <laughs> no, no, seriously, uh, your email address and links will be below. Up next, I'm gonna talk about something that might affect you if you use reverb.com, not in a huge way, but this is the first time that they've raised their selling fees. Now, interestingly enough, all the time that Reverb's been in business, they've had the selling fees of 3.5%. It's now going up to 5% because they wanna cover some marketing costs, or at least that's what it says here, and seller tools. So odds are you're gonna be putting some time, money, and expenses into you know, engineering on the website, make things better for everybody, as well as some marketing, which probably just advertising. <laughs> so that's what that will be. But I don't expect that to stop at 5%. So while this is only an increase of 1.5% from that 3.5 originally to five, you can probably predict coming up in the future, it may actually get up closer to eBay. As these companies grow, they might have more expenses or they might advertise more, and that comes back to the people selling it and their commission. So yeah, a lot of auction sites will charge 10%. That's pretty much the norm. So we'll see whether or not uh, Reverb keep the 5% long-term or whether it'll be for a few years and then it'll creep up to maybe 6.5% or something like that. I'm sure they got some sort of structure in place for it, but who knows? We'll get, I guess we'll see how it goes. In Australia, reverb really isn't a thing. I don't know anyone who uses it. I've never purchased anything from it, but I know it in the US and Canada, maybe Canada too. I'm not 100% certain about there, but its base is in the US based on how many people use it, how many people live there, they got access to more people, more guitar players, whereas in Australia, it's just not a thing that comes up in conversation. We have Gumtree, which is free, and we also have eBay, which isn't free, but you can still buy and sell stuff on there really easily here. Reverb just never really took off. So let's talk a little bit about what the plan is with this price increase. So it says investing over 30% in marketing initiatives aimed at getting sellers infantry in front of more buyers. So I have a feeling this will be something like uh, search results and predictability. There could be something like that. You know, if you see, if you go searching for something on YouTube, you'll see an ad pop up on another website. So yeah, it may be something like that, but it says it's gonna be easily more findable on Google. So it may sort of help push and predict things that are of interest to you as a buyer. Now it says expanding more than 25% of the capacity of its customer support team focused on assisting sellers so they really, it looks like they're basically, the business is blowing up. They wanna increase everything which costs more, thus the price of the commission goes up. And I, I given it's only 1.5%, that's not too much, but once it starts getting closer to 10%, if it, if it goes that way, I sort of wonder how many people will stay on board, but we'll find that uh, as it goes. I know in Australia, a lot of people don't like paying fees for anything. <laughs> So if they can sell something on Gumtree for free, they will, as opposed to using eBay that will cost them 10% or with the PayPal fee like 13% or depends on the price PayPal fee, but you get what I'm saying. Just to conclude this, Reverb said 
Our revised selling fee will allow us to make crucial investments on behalf of our sellers while continuing to provide what we feel is the best value for our community. So uh, yeah, that, that's a little vague, but I guess overall what they plan on doing is marketing more. This is my takeaway from this, marketing more uh, and basically trying to make a more predictable search result, whether that's through Google or their website, at least that's the impression I get from it. And that kind of stuff just costs time and money. There's no quick way around it. So let me know what you think of these fees. Let me know whether or not if it got up to a point whether you'd stop using the service. They might appreciate some feedback on it as well. I'm not affiliated with Reverb whatsoever. I've never worked with them. I have one of their t-shirts and that's about it. <laughs> Up next, I want to share something that I read on musicradar.com. I'll leave links to this below as well. And this is regard to, I guess, John Mayer always says he doesn't like giving advice, but his advice is usually pretty great. Whether you like him or not, he's a fantastic guitar player. You know, songwriting's great on the most part. Continuum, great album. His trio stuff, great album. I like all those kind of albums. And I like all of his stuff, but I think as a guitarist, he's one of the best that you'll get as of right now, in terms of songwriting, all that kind of stuff. You can disagree, that's fine. I'm no, I'm no big fanboy of him. I don't try to play like him, but I like when artists of any you know, professional caliber sort of give a little bit of advice, and I thought I'd share this with you as well, because it's kind of relevant, especially from a guitar sort of reviewer's standpoint as well. And I was touching on this earlier. I found this just before, and I thought I'm gonna throw this in because it's kind of how I'm feeling about being stuck at home only reviewing gear as opposed to being out and playing. So let's do it. John Mayer says, I tried to stop playing the guitar and start playing music on the guitar. How great is that? There's a huge difference between just playing guitar, whether it's noodling around and making music. Two completely different things. You know, when somebody says somebody's really musical, you can just, you can see a huge separation from someone who just plays a guitar whether that's friends in your circle, professionals, or whatever, there's always a massive difference. You look at Robert Baker on YouTube, right? A good mate of mine, phenomenal guitar player, super musical. He comes up with great backing tracks every video. He's just a musical guy. And then you look at a lot of other channels which are almost as big as him, and they are guitar players. <laughs> it's two completely different things. One. Well, one is a, just a, a fluid musician who has lots of great ideas and just lives and breathes guitar. And some channels, including probably mine too, we're not you know, on the same level musically and musicality wise. And that is just a great statement. I've tried to stop playing the guitar and start playing music on the guitar, which arguably John May has been doing for years. If you're familiar with some of his older stuff, man, it's just really great guitar, but even probably his new stuff, which I haven't listened to, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of his pop music. I like the bluesish sort of soul stuff a little bit more, or a lot more actually, to be honest. But yeah, I thought that was just one of those things that, that really stood out to me. Just reading the headline made sense. So interestingly enough, John Mayer was a huge guitar and gear nerd. He's got hundreds of everything, right? Like he was obsessed with gear. I remember watching a video of him in the studio where he had a table full of effects pedals and guitars and everything. And I think he actually stated that a lot of them were sent to him just to try and use and all that kind of thing. So obviously, uh, you know, companies just send stuff to his studio. <laughs> and he, he showed it off in one video. It was crazy. Just lots and lots of stuff. So how's this for a statement? He says, so I kind of issued myself a challenge a couple of months ago, like to 
just right on the acoustic guitar. If you're going to demo it, no tricks, under record everything, don't produce everything, everything has to work on the acoustic guitar. That's the calculator and, and it has to work on it. So acoustic guitar is tough. If you're an electric guitar player and you don't play much acoustic like me, it's a big challenge. I used to play a lot of acoustic. I don't, I don't enjoy it as much, but he's absolutely right. If you can make a song sound great or musical on an acoustic guitar, you could play it on any electric guitar with any tone and it's gonna sound fantastic. So playing with less is definitely a better songwriting tool. It means that if the song sounds good, bare bones and empty, it's gonna be just a really great way to make the song you know, sound amazing when you've got a band behind you. So I really like that. I think that's really, really cool. I started feeling it when I was playing with Dead and Company a couple of years in. The sort of zero gravity of, and weightlessness of playing where the instrument goes away and it's just you and the music. That's perfection. So yeah, if you're in the moment playing live, it's nothing like playing at home. You can get into it playing at home, but when you've got other people feeding off you and you might be clicking, in those moments, that's the important and special thing about playing live. And this is where it comes down to at the end, he says, I've tried to stop playing guitar and start playing music on the guitar. And that totally makes sense. There is a difference. And I think about this now and I'm like, yeah, I'm playing the guitar, I'm not really playing music <laughs> a lot of the time, especially if I'm noodling on my own. Now, if I'm recording a backing track or working on an album, that's a very different thing. And it's funny, when I do that a lot of the time, I'm playing with far less gear. It's just like an amp going into a two notes and it's being recorded if I'm doing that on an electric guitar. So yeah, I found that a very interesting and very profound statement and something so simple that completely makes sense. So yeah, you can take away from that what you want. You might think, oh, it's the same thing, playing guitar and playing music's the same thing. I don't think it is. And you know, it's little statements like that that capture my attention occasionally when I'm you know, browsing the web or I hear someone say something and I'm like, yeah, absolutely right. I'm gonna look at this in a very different way. This is why when I always get asked, oh, what scale is that? I always say it doesn't matter <laughs> because sure, you gotta know where the scales are to some extent, but you gotta start forgetting about them at some point and playing those in-between notes, which will give you all the special stuff you won't get just playing in a box. So yeah, very cool. Let me know what you think of that. I know a lot of people love John Mayer. I, I know a lot of people don't. Um, I love his guitar playing. I think he's one of the best guitar players out there. And I've said that since when I was in the States when the first album came out. I remember listening to Room for Squares and I was like, guitar parts on this are really good. Who is this guy? <laughs> and then years later, he released the Trio album. I was like, this is a really great album as well. If you haven't heard Try, go listen to it. Put it up on Spotify if he's got it on there and check it out. I've still, I'm old school. I got the CD floating around. So yeah, I think that's just really cool. I think it's a really cool Bit of an inside tip from a pro. Not from me, but from him. So there you go. Earlier in May, I had a trip booked overseas, which was gonna bring you completely different content for the last half of the year. I put so much time and effort and resources into making that trip happen, only to have it canceled, so that kind of sucks. So I'm gonna put a little bit of a, a help request out there if you're interested. I'm gonna to put together a little video explaining what I will need from you guys if you wanna help. Now, you'll get a shout out, you can send me a photo and I'll put it in the video as well, all that kind of stuff. So it's gonna be fun if you've got a social network, I can put that in there as well, I don't mind doing that. So if you're new to the channel, you might not know, I have a series of videos called Guitar Search Saturdays where I go through different shops in the world, wherever I am, here in Australia, also in Denmark, Sweden, 
Germany, the US. Uh, we did some in Canada, thanks to Landon 27 Music as well. I hung out in Boston with uh, Steve from Boston, formerly uh, Pixie Lick. So yeah, we've got heaps of really cool shops. I did one with Aggiefish here from uh, uh, Atlanta, sorry. So yeah, plenty of really great episodes and these are essentially store walkthroughs. Now, as I mentioned, I had a trip booked where I was gonna bring you more, well, just heaps of these. I had like 30 of them booked, <laughs> it sucks. So there's a few shops that I'm gonna save until I'm actually there in person, but there's gonna be a whole lot of them in other parts of the world that either aren't locked down that might wanna feature a shop or if it's in your part of the world where you know of a really cool unique guitar shop or just something that's a little bit different. It doesn't have to be a, a retail store, so to speak, in terms of the conventional sense where they just sell new stuff. It can be a used guitar shop or a pawn shop, if I better say it that way, because otherwise it comes up very differently in the subtitles. So yeah, if you know of a shop that's in your area that you'd like to feature on a Guitar Search Saturday, I'll need a few things for you. I'll leave my email address on screen and you can email me. So I need a shop that also has a website, which makes it really easy. And I need the name uh, of the shop, obviously, so I can contact them ahead of time. We can make this happen because I have so many people saying, oh, when are you gonna do something in this part of the world, like the UK, or are you ever coming to this part of the world to do some Guitar Search Saturdays? And I would love to, I'd love to do so many more of these. Like I said, I had 30 more of these booked and, uh, they're, and they're not gonna happen, unfortunately, because we can't travel at the moment. So, if you'd be interested in featuring some of your handiwork with the camera, there's only a few requirements as well in terms of uh, how they'll be getting filmed. But if you've got a good camera on your phone, that should be enough to get it done. There's just a few tips and tricks I'll give you to make the footage look good. So that's it. If you want to contribute to Guitar Search Saturday, I'd really appreciate it. I'll give you a shout out in the video. I'll organize everything in terms of letting the shops know you're coming through to do the walkthrough video. And odds are if they get an email from a channel that has a lot of views and so forth, they'll be on board. So I've actually reached out to a few shops independently as well because I know they already have some camera equipment and film crew sort of stuff as well. So we'll see if that happens. But in the meantime, if you'd like to contribute to it and you have a little shop somewhere in your part of the world or a large shop that you'd like to sort of feature on the channel as a Guitar Search Saturday, that would be really, really cool. So email me to inthebluesatoutlook.com and I will get back to you. I'm gonna get probably a few emails I already have, so if you've already seen the post I put on my feed, thank you for already reaching out. I'll get back to each and everybody that uh, has sent in an email. So this series, I love it. It's something completely different. It was a first uh, in terms of what it is. It's just a very different type of series. And what I'll do right now, I'll just show you a little bit about what it looks like. So if we go over to this screen here, this one was uh, shot at the Melbourne Guitar Show. So this, this particular one is a little bit different. It, it is a guitar show rather than a shop. But as you can see, there's lots and lots of different um, episodes you can go through and have a look at guitar stores from all around the world. It's a virtual walkthrough, so to speak. I just need to make sure that the camera is set up in a way that sort of looks good. Um, and you don't even have to walk with it, really. There'll be a much easier way of doing it. So I'll fill you in on the email, but if you'd like to contribute to the series, I'll put your name on screen and put your photo on there as well, all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much. And yeah, hopefully we can bring back Guitar Search Saturday in this crappy lockdown period we're all in. If your shops are open and you can actually get in there without any problems. <laughs> thanks again. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. My name's Shane. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a thumbs up. I appreciate that. Firstly, a massive thank you to all the Patreon subscribers who help support the show. 
I don't say thank you enough to these guys on my actual videos, but I do appreciate it. I don't plug Patreon, it's just a little thing you see at the end of the videos. You only hear me mention it on Guitar Search Saturdays and on the podcast, and neither of which I've done many of in the last few months because of the lockdown stuff. So um, yeah, you'll see more of these coming up hopefully, but I just wanted to extend a thank you to those guys. Now, if you are subscribed on iTunes or if you listen to the podcast at inthebluespodcast.com, I've stopped uploading the live streams to the podcast because I don't think they're really up to the standard of the podcast, not that the standard of the podcast is probably any good, but in terms of audio quality and getting to the point, this probably would make for a more pleasurable listening experience than a live stream with lots of stuff that's, you know, change of topic every sort of minute or so. So I figured I'd just keep it on point with the podcast and upload those only to iTunes coming up. So you'll, if you're already subscribed on iTunes, you'll get it there as well. Thanks again for watching. My name's Shane. I really appreciate everybody hanging out and I will catch you on the next video. See ya.